Alright. Okay. So this is going to be weird a uh, little bit because I realized we're going to tackle this on to an episode that I'm going to sound very different in. But hi, everybody. <laughs> this is still Zeph. <laughs> and this is our first listener feedback segment. Yay. Yay. Um, okay. So we had mentioned the last episode that I put up was about the where they're protesting the book ban, specifically because Roz can't read them. And a friend right. of mine on Mastodon reposted something about how expensive Braille books. And, like, the example they gave, like, there was a Harry Potter book where the print is $6, the audio is 45 and the Braille is 100 Oh, my and God. apparently that's really common. And that's when the books wow. are actually in Braille, which a lot of books just aren't. Yeah, no. Hmm. <laughs> Wow. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Like, I remember being taught as a kid, like, we learned about the biography, I think, of Braille, who invented Braille. I think that was his name, too. And taught that that's how blind people read. And I just thought, of course, all of the books are in Braille, because why wouldn't they be? <laughs> in fairness, that is sort of my, apparently what I was assuming, too, was, you know, like, large print books, only mm-hmm. in Braille. But yeah, no, apparently not. Wow, that's crazy. I did not know that. Yeah, that's true. I'm like, I thought maybe you had a special order. Like, I also remember, okay, so maybe I don't get my, like, information about this from the best sources, because my other one is, but there was an Arthur episode about that, like, they had a fictional series that was, like, clearly Harry Potter-esque, and there was yeah. a blind girl in it who was, like, we had to wait for the Braille edition, so... Like, it came after other people's, and, like, I think they solved it by reading to her until it came out, but, like, she had the book pretty quickly, and it was accessible, and I was just like, oh, yay, Arthur told me that this isn't a problem at all. It's a problem, apparently. No, it's a problem. I still think they dealt with it weird in the episode, because, like, book bans are a problem, inaccessibility of books is a a separate problem. But, yeah. like, neither they weren't the same problem, and not being able to read a book for a school report isn't the same as not being able to read it at all. And, like, the solution they come to is that she reads it at an after-school club, which was always an option. Just read it after school. But that's, you know. Yeah. They dealt with it badly, but Did you, at, um, it, it is not as simple as I thought. No, not as simple as I thought either, obviously. And I mean, I think maybe they were trying to just give us more insight into Roz and the fact that, you know, she is anticipating losing this thing that means so much to her. And she's trying to, you know, read everything. And the fact that it also runs up against the school's soft ban on books is sort of the crux of it. It's a weird place for them to take it. You know, they could have done it as two separate issues almost, but... That's what they did. But also, yeah, no, I did not realize how expensive Braille was. (laughs) That's in our world. Yes. Greendale is different. I mean, Greendale also doesn't seem to be the most uh, accessible, you know, to people who are... So, I don't know, maybe Braille doesn't exist at all in Greendale land. Because no one has ever gone blind before. Um, 
because I mean, I know this happens later on. Yeah, Yeah, but um, I know we see late much later on. (laughs) No, that would be so bad. You know, we see what happens later on, and she's listening to a book on tape, essentially. So yeah, she probably also hasn't had time to learn a whole new language. And that is, I think, like, Kindle and stuff like that in ours. Like, it's a lot easier now in our world to get books that aren't in Braille, but are, you know, still more reasonably cheap, like on the same level as print books. And books that can be Mm -hmm. read to you, or large print if you're not blind, but just, like, visually impaired or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word. Like, but... (laughs) um, there's this it's hard to tell if kindle exists because like they were they were really i think the creators were pretty clear that it takes place today but that wouldn't always be true like it's not going to be too like it's because they specifically say in like one of the opening captions like today but they say like if you're watching it 20 years from now it's not going to still be taking place today but then it could be because i think they're like purposely really flexible and like fluid with how they show things so there'll be modern technology when it fits and like old timey fashion when it fits and it's just it's in a separate universe where there is magic so of course things are going to be different and they can just hand wave away a lot of things but also i'm like kind of convinced because it's literally the only time i can think of it showing up that uh, Ambrose's laptop in that one scene was just a continuity error that, like, the actor was playing with it and forgot to put it away. <laughs> well, that could be. And I, but I do think we do see cell phones at one point, maybe. Like, I don't think it, it's in. A, it's in some sort of weird pocket universe, is what I get out of this. It's like so. simultaneously in the seventies and now and whenever else they want it to be. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't feel very modern in a lot of ways. Oh no! Okay, our power just flickered, so I don't know if the Wi-Fi is going to hold out here. But we're going to keep going. <laughs> Do you guys have storms there? Um. <laughs> Well, there was some sort of tropical something or other that went through above us, and we were getting a lot of rain earlier today, but it was nice and sunny the rest of the day, so Florida. Yeah, I don't know how Greendale really works, honestly. Yeah, however they wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Uh, I just wish there was some sort of consistency in some things, but whatever. It's TV. Yeah. That's a problem with the show in a lot of ways. And I mean, it, it, it it's part of the style. Um, yeah. But yeah, me too. Definitely. I would like some, I like rules and structure and I like to know what's going yeah. on. <laughs> I do too. But I mean, it is, I do, I also like mysteries. So that's a bit of a thing. But yeah, when you're establishing a universe, I like there to be rules to the universe. Even if you don't tell me all of them, you just need to be consistent within yourself. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I don't want to get too into it because spoilers, but I guess another thing to say about this, and I'm kind of disappointed. I did find an article I'll probably put in the, like, the description link to 
by yeah. a blind writer who's um does has an article what Sabrina needs to do to depict blindness realistically. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of hopeful things about what could have been done better. Uh, yeah. spoilers mm. here for like the whole rest of the series. They don't happen ever because they just magic it away and it works for the plot, but it's really bad for like the only disability representation. <laughs> and that's a problem that's in a lot yeah. of things. Like I'm a big fan of Batgirl and most of what I like about her came after the disability plot. But like there was a lot of discussion even then that like she could have continued to contribute as a disabled person. You didn't have to like come up with the magic cure for a disability to have her be a yeah. hero. And someone else could have been Batgirl. There were already like three other Batgirls actually. So yeah. that was it's a difficult thing because most of these works are written by not disabled people who are like, oh gosh, it would be horrible if I lost my sight or my legs or whatever. And so they want to see characters they like get cured because then their lives will be better, which is a really crappy message for everyone else who's like, this is just their life. And (laughs) you can, (coughs) sorry, you can live a complete life without having to be like everyone else. Well, and as a a fan of Oracle before the retconning that occurred with the last whatever round of DC shenanigans, um, I mean, you could argue that she was, before she got fixed, quote unquote, Oracle was quite possibly the most powerful person on the planet. Like, yeah. But she was a part of the Justice League. She was integral to, like, the safety of all of humanity. And she did that because she could. And she could have done that outside of, you know, being paralyzed as well. But this was where she was. And I don't. I'm one of those people who really hated it when they undid that whole thing. Because... We have plenty of people who can run around and kick people in the face. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but and I had, I guess, I had DC such weird reaction to that because the storyline this this is not related to the show at all, but the storyline where Bar- Barbara gets um like <coughs> loses use of her legs is a horrible yeah. one. It's one of yes, the major examples of women it's just awesome. being um, killed or hurt for man pain. Yeah. So yeah. setting that story right made sense, but there were other ways to do it. And so I have really mixed feelings. So like, I'm glad they decided to give her back her story and like fix it, but it didn't really fix it still. It just means like, like the thing that happened still happened. Yeah. And she was still like denied agency in that, just used as a side character in a Batman and Joker story. But also, we lost the disability representation. Like, they fixed the wrong thing. Fixed the right thing. Retcon. (laughs) But I don't know. Like, so she was. The original wound was in a really terrible story all about, you know, Batman versus Joker. And I could care less about Batman and Joker. Um, at all, ever. But her t- 
and I say this as a person who has full use of all of my limbs, so what do I know? Um, but I mean, her taking the the worst thing that happened to her to, you know, and then not letting it define her, but then turning that into just living her whole life and doing what she wanted in spite of that, in spite of many, you know, in comics, people trying to pity her and saying, I don't need you to defend me. I don't need you to do any of this stuff for me. Now, yeah, that is the writers choosing which story they're going to tell. But her, her just living the life that she wants to live after the trauma and after, you know, being shot and everything like that, I think is a much better story than undoing a crappy storyline by going, here you go. It's magically fixed. We put a, whatever they did in her spine. I, that fixes nothing. Right. There's no fixing. Like, terrible things happen to people and you can't fix it. You just have to live with it. Yes. So and I think that her as Oracle is much better. I agree. That's a good point. Like, um, the other thing to consider is that, okay, why am I, okay, one more. One of the (laughs) recent changes that happened was a complete rebooting of the DC universe. So the Batgirl I like best, which is Batgirl of Burnside, was in a whole different universe where that still Mm -hmm. happened. There's literally no reason for it. Yeah. Like, even if they wanted to have that in her history, she was still Oracle and somehow also, like, got her legs fixed. They could have had her get lose that in a different way. It didn't have to be the same thing. It was a yeah. reboot. Yeah. Uh, they've decided this is a major part of love story, that. and it's bad. People, people love that story. Some people love that story. I don't know why, because it's just gross all over. Yes. Um, but yeah, no. The, the collective comic book world that is full of white dudes in charge decided that this was great because they all love the Joker too. So yeah. it's fine. It's fine. I, I quit DC again. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> but bringing it back, you made a really good point that like she, her taking what happened and like make taking her story back by, you know, make, you know, making the best of it and using that like her situation now as mm-hmm. you know a good enough place to be a hero and happy that she's still a powerful smart person who can do what she wants i get yeah. why story in terms of this story Roz Roz's healing is important for sabrina um but i kind of wish they had it like i would like better what a good way to subvert everything if Roz was just like you know what i'm actually good like that would have been cool to see uh it would have been a more interesting storyline yeah but i mean you know also i can't see somebody like if you were suddenly struck blind and somebody could fix it I don't, I mean, like, I don't know how many people would say no to that, especially if it's as, you know, presented, there are no downsides to it. There's no, you know, other problems that crop up because of a surgery or anything like that. Like, it's just Sabrina 
fixes it. I mean, yeah. now, I don't want this to happen, but it'd be interesting if, like, some of the, the miracles, quote-unquote, that Sabrina performs, like, most of them are one and done. But Roz yeah. is, like, an ongoing thing. Like, it did Sabrina fix it, fix it, or did she just delay the inevitable? Because is the curse still going? Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of that is, was the sight or the cunning part of the curse or something they already mm -hmm. had? And I can't remember if they ever answered that. But if it's part of the curse, then she clearly still is cursed and might go blind again. Yes. We'll see. In which case, Sabrina has just delayed it. Yeah. Which also falls in line with her miracles being crappy miracles. So... There's that. But I doubt that the show will go there because they've, you know, they fixed that one problem that they had, so it'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't know when the next one starts. I've been seeing stuff about it already, but I don't think, I don't know if it's soon or if they're just like, remember this is a show. It'll happen eventually. Don't forget us. Are they going to do a like a special again, midwinter special, whatever they called it. I'm not sure. I saw that there definitely wasn't a Halloween one, which I guess was something that people were asking about. That would have been cool. Yeah. But... That would have been cool. Anyway, thank you for bringing that correction to us. Yeah. The person who gave it to me um, actually said she didn't want to be obnoxious about it. Like, it's not. I, I, for me, at least, I love being corrected on things because no. that's how I learn. So always tell us when we're wrong. Yes. <laughs> and I'm wrong quite often, so um. good luck with that. <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't, I have, I wear glasses, but I can see blindness is not a thing. So I didn't realize how expensive it was. It just, I sort of assumed that Braille was a thing that existed out there accessible for people. And I was very wrong. Yeah, let us know things we don't know. Okay. Hi, and welcome back to the Spooky Church Podcast. We're discussing the Netflix show Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And today we're talking about Chapter 4 called Witch Academy. So it's been a while, and I think my voice will hold. I had a cold for two weeks, and it was really bad. But it finally went away like two days ago. So hopefully I'm good now. <laughs> well, you sound fine. So uh, maybe we'll just try and keep this one short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this episode? <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I mean, first of all, we get Nick Scratch, who Yay. I kind of love. More convinced than ever that he is definitely the devil, but we can uh, go over that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I and there are 17 works of fan fiction on AO3 for Harvey Kinkle and Nicholas Scratch as a parent. Not that wow. that's important. <laughs> that's very important. <laughs> I went looking for fanfiction at one point when we were talking about it in a previous episode and I couldn't find like anything related to like Ambrose stuff I was looking for but there was so much Zelda and Madam Satan and I I appreciate that yeah. everybody's got their thing I can see it that, that <laughs> than what actually happens all right so we open up I think it's uh Dr. Cerberus yeah I was so excited. So <laughs> I said, like, back in the pilot that I hated 
that this is the only time ever you will see them in Dr. Cerberus's talking about movies. And I was wrong because they do it immediately in this one. And I feel like this was a much better pilot episode and I wish the show started here. But Yeah, I mean, you would have missed, you know, the lead up to it, but it was a, it's a very good episode. And I like the how we just go in on the conversation with them instead of having the whole watching the movie bit because nobody needs to see that movie really. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was gonna say everyone needs to see it just because Jeff Goldblum, but that's really the beginning and end of the good things. <laughs> but um, they have really deep discussions about these things, and I just think that Harvey, maybe Harvey just needs to read more because <laughs> he always seems very lost. <laughs> yeah, and his contribution was wasn't it about a guy who turns into a giant fly? <laughs> Which. Oh, is that wrong? <laughs> it's sort of like metamorphosis about dude who turns into a bug. It's you know, that's what happens technically. <laughs> but yeah, I just in general felt like this one was better, despite the fact that like after well, not quite there yet, but in a minute, like they talk about things, they decide what they're doing this weekend, and then because Sabrina's going to be gone for three whole days. They have to be like grossly sweet yeah. and then stick their tongues down each other's throats in front of yeah. their friends. Yeah. Like back to the movie discussion, guys. That's <laughs> not a considerate. She's with her little locket, and I'll keep you close to my heart. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not. I hate them so life. much. I'm not doing the Harvey Sabrina thing. I'm just no, not. Uh. But, okay, so we got mention of the fly, and it's either about body dysmorphia or. STDs, I guess, depending on which version you watch. But then we move on to more important things, which is that Roz wants to have a girls' night over at Susie's. Yay! <laughs> and I felt, I mean, because you know what happened, but I felt very bad for Susie being like, oh, but but no, you can't come over to my house. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, but no. <laughs> <laughs> she just definitely doesn't want to explain the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's fair that's that's a lot to explain you know but um sabrina you know bows out because she's going to be at the farmer's expo which of course she's not she's going to the she's going to evil hogwarts okay um <laughs> yes she really would have had a much better time at Susie's though yes well i mean they had a pretty bad time too but still better yeah <laughs> True, but it still would have been better than Sabrina's weekend at, uh, you know, the Academy. Yeah. You know. And she would have been with people that she likes. True. True. But as Ambrose points out. Yes. (laughs) There will be people, many witches and warlocks from all over the world, and some of them will be hot. (laughs) So she should be more excited. Listen, Ambrose has been on house arrest for a very long, long time. time. <laughs> I do not blame him. And he's not, he is also not wrong. Some of them are. <laughs> Most of them are hot. Like, yeah. There are zero not attractive people at that school. Good percentage that are just like, you know, maybe that's one of the gifts of the Dark Lord is hotness. <laughs> Which is funny given what he looks like in this show, but whatever. Um, and then, okay, so Sabrina, you know, she's not there for that. She's just going to focus on defeating the Dark Lord, which... So aggressive. 
it's it's very aggressive and i'm having i know what they gotta think of something better to call them because all i got is like harry potter flashbacks yeah you know dark lord and he who must not be named but um and then we're out with the ants and oh you know zelda helped bully hilda at school yeah so. I'm, just, I'm really confused about this religion again many things about this religion but she's talking to someone who practices it they're all like hail satan yeah. and all worship satan she's like i'm going to this school to find out how to summon your god and kill him and Amber's is like cool 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 just make sure you meet the hot witches while you're there like it's great you know ambrose is like i gotta live vicariously through somebody and you're crazy but you're my you know you're my cousin and i love you anyway or maybe everyone says, like, you're definitely going to fail at this. But in the meantime, hot, hot warlocks. <laughs> However that rolls for you. Just pick one. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Hil- Hilda has made little, like, charms for Sabrina to not be bullied. And Zelda apparently hates magic and thinks it's all dumb. She's just like, oh, are you also going to give her crystals and herbs? Like... <laughs> I don't get it. Hilda does magic all the time, and Zelda does it never, and also thinks that it's dumb, and just wants, she's like, you'll have such great times having debates, uh, bullying other children, it's the best time of your life. So, here is my theory, is that, okay, I think that Hilda is actually a more powerful witch than Zelda. Mm. <gasps> because Ooh, yeah. And that she just doesn't know it, doesn't, you know, apply it because one, she's been bullied and abused her whole life by her sister. And it's different. I think that everybody has their own specific talents in the, you know, in the magic. And so hers are perhaps not as flashy as whatever, you know, tricks that Zelda can pull. But I think Hilda has more of it. Yeah, that's a good point. And like, be a reason because if Zelda like sort of has some jealousy, that is just more natural to Hilda and just does it. But she's like sweeter about it and not as like aggressive. So yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And also makes me sense. sad. I just want to hug Hilda. <laughs> Everybody wants to hug Hilda. I mean, she does. She still, you know, does some terrible things. But I would definitely hug her. So. Uh, I like that they still have, you know, Sabrina's still mad at Zelda for the whole, like, signing the book and trying to sign her away and everything. Yeah. Like, it doesn't just get dropped because, oh, now we're on to the next phase of the adventure. It's just, no, still mad at you. You still betrayed me, sort of. (laughs) And she doesn't see it that way. But I like that there's consequences. This is a boarding school for most of the children, right? Like, Sabrina's part-time, but... We also get in this scene that most children, like, they're not supposed to have their familiars, and most people don't, and you get bullied for having them, which means mm-hmm. that you're supposed to immediately get a familiar and then leave it behind, and what's the point of that? <laughs> it's a very weird little detail. Well, but if you think, so, also, most of the kids, I think, are there much younger than Sabrina. So I think that they're there for years and years and years, and then they get a familiar, you know, with the dark baptism thing. But they've been at the school for a lot longer. And maybe, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Because, yeah, even then, <laughs> they'll have to leave the familiar behind to go back to school. Yeah. No, that doesn't make any sense. You're right. 
I feel like, I like that's it. a rule they made up just so they wouldn't have to figure out what all of the students' familiars were and not have to have them all walking around with animals. Well, but it's still, it's a weird detail. And it would also feed into the Harry Potter vibe where, you know, everybody's got an owl or a rat or, you know, a cat running around. Yeah. So. But it is, that is weird. <laughs> I mean, you could have had where, like, the familiars have to be like in a kennel or something, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like you use them in certain classes where it makes sense because the whole deal is sort of to like boost power or whatever and have a partner, but that they don't, you know, you don't necessarily take it to choir practice. Absolutely. I'm impressed that they have a choir, but anyway. (laughs) So, and then Quentin is the definitely not creepy little child that meets her on the stairs. She's so cute. (laughs) He's very cute, but you can look at that child and know that something is not right. And I mean, well, do- wearing the old-fashioned suit, and he's got the weird little toy and the chalk sign. Yeah, and they go inside, and everyone's sort. I didn't notice the first time. I noticed this time. Everyone's staring, and yeah. they're not looking at him because no. you find out at the end that other people don't see him. Like, Nick comes up to her and has no idea yeah. who she's talking to at the end. So everyone's just staring because it's Sabrina, and they know who she is. Right. But that means this kid that met her outside and guided her, like, just on his own decided to give her a tour. Like, no one was going to welcome her to the school. And I really right. appreciate that detail. <laughs> it also means that all of those people are seeing her talk to nothing. Well, she wouldn't talk to him much. He was the one talking. Like, I watched for that because I thought that, like, at first that they were staring at her because she was talking to somebody. But she's just kind of walking yeah. around looking at all of the things he's discussing. So she just looks right. like she's appreciating the really beautiful school and the awesome statue, which I would do also. <laughs> there's there's certain things that you do when you interact with people. And it, it was minimal. But there like, it's very clearly interacting with someone that is not there. I mean, to everybody else. Mm. So, yeah minimal talking to herself (laughs) but yeah it's all definitely they're definitely staring at her because she's sabrina spellman so she is doomed from the start and then you saw what the name of the station is right for the academy gehenna station yep Yep. that's fine (laughs) that's not not worrisome at all no it's great and and so we've got the the very impressive i think it's baphomet supposed to be the statue or that's what it looks like Baphomet? Yeah. Yeah. It is specific. Okay, so it's not, but when I first saw it, I was, I thought that it was the Temple of Satan, or the Satanic Temple statue, that because they had a whole thing where, like, in Arkansas, one of the states that starts with an A, (laughs) they wanted to put the Ten Commandments monument in front of a government building, and because a church is a separation of church and state, you kind of don't love that idea. And they're like, well, fine, if you can have one, we can have one. So they made this beautiful statue of Baphomet teaching the children and yeah. got the right to put it up also. And I loved that statue then. I loved that story. And I thought that they had copied the statue deliberately and with permission for this. But they no. didn't. They just blatantly stole the design of it. <laughs> And it's it's slightly different, but not. I mean, it's it's very both that statue. Yeah. But um, because they got sued for it, didn't they? They did, and they settled. Yeah. Like they don't go over the details, except that they credit them at the beginning of the episode now, and yeah. there was probably money involved, <laughs> which. Oh, money involved. Like, and there are 
I get that you have gone with the goat man thing for the devil, but there are a lot of, like, you could make a different looking goat man. Yeah. Or even, like, I think the show, they clearly probably didn't do their research. They might not have actually meant to steal it. They probably just searched Baphomet images. And at the time, that would have been a big one in the news. Because I think there was a quote in one of the articles where a spokesperson for the show was just like, well, these are common elements that are in all Baphomet images. No, they're not. Like, the addition of the kids in particular is definitely unique to that statue. Like, there are common Baphomet iconography details but this was a very specific statue and unique and they should have done some research at the very least i mean you know i I can see where it appeals because you you google that and you find it and they're like yes this is perfect for a school (laughs) that worships got kids there you know but yeah that was that was not well thought out no (laughs) i mean it's cool looking it is very cool looking and the outcome of it is that they're probably funding this organization that I like because they do a lot of things to promote, like, religious freedom and separation of church and state. And well, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, and it's, the, it's the whole Satan thing. I have a problem. I mean, separation of church and state, state yes, but the, mm, the Satan <laughs> thing. I got problems with it, but it's fine. <laughs> but, um. My question, though, is I don't understand why the show has, like, doubled down on the real ugly goat man thing for the devil. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very specific image they don't need to stick with. <laughs> yeah, they could have. I mean, if the whole idea is that he's their Jesus figure, they could have gone with more attractive representations of him. Like, there are, even in church, you know, statues and iconography and everything, there are fairly good-looking versions of the devil. There's a statue of Lucifer somewhere that they had to like move out to the courtyard or something because it was too sexy and people were looking yeah. at it during the services. Yes. They could use that. And that was the second that was the second one. So that was the one I was thinking of. That there's two of them. Awesome. The it was I think it was brothers, so they, they commissioned the one guy to make the first statue and they're like, Listen, listen, your devil is too hot, we can't deal with this. So they hired his brother to do the statue, and the second statue turned out even hotter than the first statue. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And they are really gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I, I guess I've only seen one, so I can't say they, but yeah, I'm sort of familiar with that. I'd seen the one. Like it's it's a good statue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good statue. I too would be distracted by that. I mean, that's, that's how I'm not a historian, but that is how I heard the story. And I, you know, people on the internet claim that they are historians and that it was true. And I believe them. So it's fine. And it makes sense. <laughs> but, and then, so when Quinn's explaining the uh, architecture of the place, yeah, I have a question. because So he says, no one knows how many pentagons there are exactly. Some say an infinite number. But you can't have an infinite number in a finite space. So the Academy is a TARDIS. Yes. It's bigger on the inside. It goes on for forever. Yes. And there are probably a bajillion rooms of requirement. I always kind of wondered why there was only one. Like what if two people require the room of requirement at the same time in Hogwarts? (laughs) Now there are an infinite number. Just keeps going. nobody, Nobody talked about this, but okay. Could you be in the room of requirement and not see the other people? Ooh. Didn't did that happen? No, I don't think that happened. It's been a while. I, but yeah, I haven't read it in a while, and I have issues with rolling now. But <laughs> like, no. 
you know, love the books, but sometimes an author should just stop. Yeah. They should just stop. <laughs> but, okay. Not important. There's definitely secret rooms requirement somewhere in Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, okay. I still hate Blackwood. Yeah. Not just because of the nails. He's just terrible in general. And I, you know what? He's terrible, but I can't blame him for being like, you know, I don't think you know what you're talking about <laughs> about any of this, and I think that you should take basic classes. She's so like entitled. I cannot blame her. She is, and she wants to take just the classes that definitely sound dangerous to me uh-huh. as a non-witch, um, and without any of the basics, because I don't think that her aunts taught her anything. They explicitly didn't like Zelda complained like she didn't know anything about the church and Zelda says they should have taught her at home but they didn't she knows yeah. nothing and she's so offended that she's not being given like senior level advanced classes her first day at the school <laughs> because she is Sabrina Spellman uh, I hate her very much in this scene <laughs> <laughs> I mean I like Sabrina a lot but she does have some massive flaws. Yes. <laughs> and that's fine. She'd be real boring otherwise. So, I mean, again, hate Blackwood, but cannot blame him. That was probably one of the smartest things he's ever done. <laughs> yes. It doesn't turn out well, but, you know, not for lack of trying. Yeah. So, and then he's le- she's late he's like, for chorus. Speaking of, it's time for you to go to <laughs> choir class with my wife. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, yes, I I do love Lady Blackwood. By the way, yes. she's good. She deserves someone who is not him. Yes, she's very. Good. Then, but I was excited too because we had discussed. Uh, I had a Nick fashion watch through this entire episode, but I was like, okay, we're gonna watch. Is he in like bad boy clothes or is he in a uniform? It kind of mixes it up. They're not in uniforms because they're all in very different kinds of clothes. Like there's one girl in like a fancy blouse and a boy in a polo shirt and a hoodie. And Nick is wearing a sweater and tie, but also with a leather jacket. So he's like a fancy private school bad boy. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he is. I, uh, it doesn't matter. It's a good look for him. (laughs) I think it falls under the everybody is just stupid attractive where they're like dress however you like as long as it enhances all of that. <laughs> you have a reputation to maintain. Yes. So I did like our first glimpse of Nick yep. and then he looks we have Sabrina. Oops, sorry. sorry. He looks very interested in her. Like as soon as they mentioned this is Sabrina, you focus on his face and he's yes. just like, ooh. And I was like, I had in mind very much how you were saying that you think that he is the devil. And I'm just like, yeah, there, there's a thing going on here. And I don't know what it is, but that's making some sense. <laughs> yeah. I think that he is like the super sneaky, attractive version of the devil that's happening here. Yes. But so we get the singing. Sabrina can sing because of course she can. She can sing fine, but she doesn't sing yeah. fa- like she's not good enough that Prudence should look so threatened and the teacher should have to like compose herself and take a deep breath because that was so like blowing mind blowingly awesome. Yeah. And I, I don't love that, but she's fine. She's a fine singer. <laughs> but I don't see, I think the interaction between Prudence and Lady Blackwood, and of course, this is knowing things that happen later on, but I think that a lot of that is 
I would bet you money that Lady Blackwood takes any opportunity she can to knock Prudence down a notch or two, which is not entirely fair. Prudence is also a terrible person, (laughs) but she's also a child and Lady Blackwood is her teacher. Um, So I don't know that it's so much about, oh, Sabrina's so good as about Lady Blackwood's reaction to Sabrina and telling Prudence that she's got competition. Which is just awful. Like, you don't, it doesn't need to be a competition. Like, it's a choir. You are a team. (laughs) That's fine. But I think Lady Blackwood wanting to just, you know, poke Prudence a little bit. Yeah. No, I get it. And I I was in choirs in high school. I get that it can be a competitive atmosphere. I just, I don't like when there's like... When enforced, encouraged competition, it's a bad. Like, if you have someone especially who very much wants to be the most important, the way to make them stop that and be more of a team player isn't to keep trying to knock them down a peg. It's, like, to try and make them part of a team and to, like, praise them for the ways they help other people, you know? Like, you encourage cooperation, not more competition. (laughs) Does any of that sound like something that Father Blackwood or Lady Blackwood would encourage? No. No. <laughs> no. I, they, I also don't think they're very good teachers. Yeah. So, you know, awful people and bad at their jobs. But I still like Lady Blackwood. She's good. I like her too. <laughs> yeah, she is. So, then I think we go to Sabrina meeting Nicholas on his own. At lunch, right? Yeah. I don't know if I took notes on that, but that probably is what happens next. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he's sitting down for lunch and they're chatting, whatever. And he's telling about how he's studying because he's ahead of her, obviously, in, in the school. And he happens to just coincidentally be studying her father's journals in the super secret portion of the library <laughs> and how he's controversial and He's studying all the things that Sabrina needs, you know, being a conjurer and demons and all that stuff. It's like he's too perfect. (laughs) If he's not actually like the devil or anything like that, he clearly has something going on where there's a reason he's very interested in Sabrina that has to do with, you know, her dad and who she is and everything. So... He's not just a nice boy who happens to have the answers she needs. He's got things going on. Definitely not. So, if he's not the devil, he's... I mean, this sounds funny talking about people who are literally in the church of, you know, Knight of Satan, whatever you want to call it. He's working with the devil. (laughs) Obviously. But, um... So she's interested in that bit, I think. And also, you know, Hot Warlock. And then, of course, the weird (laughs) sisters show up and are terrible to her. And to Nick, which, you know, Prudence is pretty vicious, but I still love her. Yes. I think there's a theme because I love Zelda and I love Lady Blackwood and I love Prudence. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of lovable characters here. There's not a lot of people I don't like. It's Father Blackwood and one of the sisters. But I don't know which one, so I, I probably, like, they're probably all fine. I think I didn't like the redhead because of one thing she says in the episode where they're mean to Harvey. <laughs> like... Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> Harvey's fine, he just doesn't belong here. It's like sometimes, like, okay, do you, you're a comics person, kind of, you, you know, like, X-Men stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I always yeah. hated Cyclops and Jean. 
until they split up and dated other people. And suddenly they're both very fascinating characters. <laughs> Harvey's fine. <laughs> he just shouldn't be with Sabrina. <laughs> I see. I see. He's just, he's just in the wrong relationship. Yes. And he's like, wrong uh, friendships also. Like, he yeah. is the most boring, least educated, you know, just not having very many interesting things to say in his current group of people. If he's with people who are interested in the things he likes, like when he's talking to Ambrose about comics or things like that, he probably has more input and might be an interesting character. <laughs> true, 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 true. So, we just need to break them up, which, okay. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> And find him a comics nerd girl. We can do this. Or he can date Nick. Either way. (laughs) I think that would work. But, um, (laughs) so, and then, okay, prudence is just being prudence. But we're back to the whole, like, her, because she calls Sabrina uh, cocktees, you know, for the devil, what she did to the Dark Lord. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And it's back to we're we're slut shaming Sabrina for not wanting to sell her soul to the devil, and it's just it's all. I know we've talked about this before, but the sexual thing with this is it's a problem. <laughs> Their attitudes in general are kind of a problem. Like she says things she doesn't necessarily really believe or that don't make sense for the rest of her character. Like she refers yeah. to Nick as a warlock slut, which is just a bad thing to say in general, but also makes no sense considering witches don't like really do the whole love thing. And she has like there's a scene coming up in a few episodes where she has an orgy. And like there's sluttiness doesn't seem to be a thing, and I don't understand the sex shaming. <laughs> I don't. I think honestly, I think that the writers were at least with that one, we're just like, yeah, we can't think of any appropriately insults. So here you go. Slut. (laughs) I mean, the whole thing with Sabrina and the Dark Lord, that's been going on for a couple of episodes with everybody being like, listen, you, uh, you let him on and making it all about the sex. But that one was just definitely, I think, lazy writing. So, and then uh, Sabrina and Nick exit, head off to their next class. And we go back to Susie and Roz having their sleepover. So cute! No, ah, okay. so, so cute. But, and they're watching creepy movies, which, again, I appreciate. Um, but I was thinking about it. So for what we find out later, but the movie I think that they're watching, I think, works. So it's called uh, Carnival of Souls. And so have you ever I seen this one? Okay. So basic ideas, woman named Mary's in a car accident. They were drag racing or something. And she's with, there's three women in the car. She's the only one who survives. Like nobody can figure out how she survives. She just, you know, comes out of the the river that they crash into. Okay. And she's trying to move on with her life and everything, but she keeps being haunted by this figure. Who's just this grotesque looking thing. And he doesn't have a name. They just call him the man. And she's trying to, she goes to be, I think a pianist or a chorus director or something. Anyway, people are trying to help her get over this trauma, yada, yada, yada. And she's on the beach one day, you know, trying to run away from these ghouls that are attacking her. And she just vanishes. Like, her footprints just stop in the middle of the beach. And then you get to the end of the movie, and it finds out they pull the car out of the river, and Mary's been dead the whole time. Nobody escaped the car. So, my theory is, and as we find out with Jesse, is that he is not the Uncle Jesse. Susie's uncle. Upstairs. Like, you know, 
Mrs. Rochester is that um, he's, spoiler, I guess, possessed. So my theory is that this was a hint at that because she's been dead the whole time. So I think really you could argue that Uncle Jesse himself has been dead for a long time. Then that all that's left is this demon running around in the body and people are trying to help him, but he is gone. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember how this episode goes when we get there. I think he, yeah. so I, like, I guess I could go with like mind gone dead. Like he's, Jesse is not the person yeah. in this body. If the body's still alive. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That's, yeah. Like the body's alive because there's an aspect of the woman that's still alive. It, what do you call her soul or her ghost or whatever? Because she is real to these people that she interacts with. It's not like, you know, she thinks she's interacting. Like, people have conversations with her, but she's dead. So, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like the body's still there, and maybe Uncle Jesse was still in there for a while, but by this point, it's it's all demon, all the way down. So. Like, it seems or, like... I'm talking out. Uh, okay, so there's details later that I'm probably not going to remember right, so I couldn't say, shouldn't say much about it, but it seemed like he's been possessed by yeah. this thing longer than they expect someone to live while, like, <laughs> with this demon. So it right. does seem like there's... Whatever's going on, he's not at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, and, and we'll get to that when we get... Cause, but, yeah, I agree that I don't... Like, I don't think he's meant to last that long because I think Madam Satan says something about how whoever he is usually tears through whoever he's possessing yeah. real fast. So, but we'll, we'll, get there. <laughs> we'll revisit that when we get there. Yeah. But, but so they hear, yeah. <laughs> so Susie has to reveal her big secret, her big family secret, which is that her uncle Jesse is unfortunately mad crazy and they you know they take care of him but he's normally i think pretty docile is what she was saying like he doesn't he's not violent well yeah so we don't know because this is the first time how, okay however he is the way they're dealing with it isn't right and before no. they reveal that he's possessed the girls are scared because someone rang a bell. Susie's terrified to be alone in the house with this person. They don't talk about him to anybody. And that's just not how you deal with, like, a sick, like, mentally ill person in your family. Like, you don't need to hide it away and no, make it a scary, shameful thing. So when you first see this, and no, they, like, creep not. up, like, they are just terrified to see if he needs water or something. And then when they see what he looks like, they just, like, slam the door and run away. Like, that is a horrible way to behave with someone who is actually sick. And it was very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And I don't know if it's because of the other things that we find out about Uncle Jesse later. If they just decided we're just going to hide this whole thing away, which is extra yeah. terrible. Or if it would, because this is set in some weird time frame. So if they just were like, well, we can't, we can't send them to a home because they're terrible, you know? So we're just going to take care of them here with the family, which is also terrible. And he does remind me of Mrs. Rochester up in the attic. So, and I can see Roz being scared. And, yeah. Anyway, sorry. So we find out that he's been sick since he saw something in the mines and yeah. That so then Roz stays yeah. too, so that Susie won't have to be alone with the scary sick person and they cuddle and right. 
That is sweet. <laughs> it's the only reason I don't completely hate the scene. Like, they make me all mad. Like, that's not how you treat people. You guys saw, oh, wait, you're cute. Okay. <laughs> it's a simple thing. <laughs> like, they are children, and maybe leaving her alone, like, even if she said she was ready, like, maybe there's kind of a transition period where you have her, like, help um, Jesse on her own, but while there's still someone else in the house for support, and then you leave her alone for a weekend. <laughs> so it was it was handled badly, and I yeah. guess it makes sense that this tiny little person is a little bit scared of someone who maybe has violent rages, or maybe is just docile and kind of sick with and she doesn't know how to handle, but still... <laughs> Well, and you, I mean, you see him later on, and well, in this one too, but he's got the sores and everything, like burns all over, like not burn burns, but almost like like chemical burn kind of thing. And you don't know how long he's been weirdly not, you know, like if he sits there catatonic a lot of the times, or if like you don't know what stories Susie has also built up in her head or what her dad has told, because if he had had like violent fits in the past you know maybe the dad went with the whole like if we scare Susie as a child to not go near him we won't have to worry about Susie getting hurt none of this is good but trying to figure out why Susie is so terrified of someone who she's like most of the time he just you know sits there yeah kind of dude or if because as if no he's demon possessed he's just <laughs> real creepy because, you know, they say that people sometimes give off, like, a, a vibe of evil. You know what I mean? I'm not that emotionally in tune. But people say, like, you know, you just know there's something wrong with some people. So maybe she's just sensitive enough and she's like, yeah, no, there's something definitely, definitely going on in there. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Not important. So we get back to Sabrina and Quentin. Well, Sabrina's sleeping, and then Quentin is just suddenly, like, there and, like, hey, don't let them know how scared you are. They'll kill you, which is great. And Sabrina's just like, okay, sure, and falls right back to sleep. Yeah, okay. Which is 100% believable. I might chalk that up to nerves if you're in a place you don't feel comfortable and don't really want to be. Like, <laughs> she's scared anyway. I guess that makes sense. It's like, what? Why am I having nightmares about the little tour guide kid? Oh, well. <laughs> but you would, like, okay. Normally, when you have weird dreams, you, like, sort of wake up. It, like, or at least for, like, the nightmares. A couple of nightmares that I remember having. Like, I wake up and I'm like, wait, okay. And then, I, and then I'll go back to sleep. But there's a minute of, like, there are not actually giant spiders swinging across the ceiling. But Sabrina's just like, huh, dorm room, small child, no problem. You know, right back to sleep. So... I worry about the kind of dreams that Sabrina has on a regular basis. If she's like, mm, this is fine. But then she wakes up in the, the witch's cell, I guess is what Prudence calls it. And they're basically just going to haze yes. her magically, which is terrible. Yeah. And so the witch's cell, the supposedly where the Greendale 13 were held along with a bunch of other witches who went nuts before they could get hung and killed themselves or died. I mean, I don't know how truthful Prudence oh, is. I don't know how much Prudence knows. Like, she could be lying. There could be, like, folklore that no one really knows what happened. Yeah. 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 And then, like, there's no light or anything in there, and she's just got to last until morning or until they come and let her out, yeah. which I assume is morning. 
Because if she like didn't show up for her and class, there are like notice. weird. <laughs> you would think, but we also, you know, I mean, if this is a tradition, the teachers might be like, "Oh, it's you know, yeah, the the harrowing." They think. I mean, it's fine. a proud tradition of the school that makes for the strong, like strengthening the herd. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's how that works. Plus, there are literal like witch ghosts there that kind of torment her and demons and stuff because that's kind of what they do. Yeah. So, hearing random shrieks and things might not be super out of like just out of the ordinary, even when it's not harrowing. Maybe, right. Here's but here's my question. So we find out a little bit later that one of the 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 weird sister's gifts <gasps> is the oh, um, right. mind control. Yeah. So are there really weird, you know, ghosts and everything? Because we know that they made those boys see all sorts of things that weren't, you know, really there. So is it were they just messing with her, or were there really ghosts in there? I mean, we know there are ghosts, you know, and all that stuff. But I'm not sure that all of what happened to Sabrina in that cell was actually the witch's yeah, ghost. You know what I mean? Point. Like, I guess I just assume because, like, there's no reason it couldn't be. Like, we're in a show about the supernatural. I just took it at face value. But that's a good point right. that they do specifically state that that's one of their gifts. And that's suddenly not just a random throwaway line. Right. And that makes perfect sense. <laughs> no. And the first time I watched it too, I was like, okay, those are definitely the witch's ghosts of the people who died in there. But then on the rewatch and everything, I'm like, or it could just be the sisters messing with her. Or it could be some of it's the witch's ghosts and some of it's the sisters. And you don't know what's what. Neither does Sabrina. And it doesn't really matter because it's terrifying. Right. And then I had forgotten about the arm that reaches out and grabs her. Yeah. At the end. And, uh... We break out. We see Salem yeah. heading off to uh, to because Salem is the best. Yeah, good kitty. And uh, I love how Sabrina had you know enough together too when they came. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna fuck with them, and uh, pretended to snap. Which, <laughs> yes. And uh, then she calls Harvey. Which, like they come together and they definitely think she actually has snapped. Which okay, like yeah. the, their heroin gets progressively worse at this point. I don't like yeah. how weak must they think she is to have assumed that she was actually that broken? Because I feel like I could probably have handled that. It would suck, but like I don't think I'd yeah. go crazy. <laughs> well, and my thing is that they also. Like, they've seen her with the, the boys in the mine and everything. Like, they've seen her in action. I, the two don't mesh of them being like, yeah, immediately. Like, okay, one night in a dark cell with weird noises definitely broke her with the sort of respect that they were starting to form yeah. back at the mine. So even with her breaking her promises and everything, it's like, but though that doesn't mean that you just immediately assume that she is you know, the fragilized of creatures. Yeah. So, you know, plot, writing, I had, whatever. So I was really bothered by this in general, too, because, like, after that episode and just, like, the way Prudence was reacting at her trial and stuff, I did get the feeling that they were moving forward and that there was more of a respectful relationship building up. 
And so I hated this like backsliding. I hate in general when shows do a little bit of progress and then go three steps back. At the end, we do find out that she's been ordered to do this by Blackwood. So there's like at least a justification for why she's so horrible and why she's trying to get make Sabrina miserable. But like this part in particular, it does require her to like not know that Sabrina, like she had already said, like maybe you're more suited to this than we thought. And she forgot that very quickly. (laughs) This isn't a very weak person. This is someone who, you know, stood up to the devil and like all of the things they tried to make her sign the book already. And is like basically forced this compromise that no one wanted to make. <laughs> so like she's kind of proven she has some strength. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's I mean, I get that people, you know, they learn something once and then they see you in a different scenario and maybe don't make a full connection, but this is such a big disconnect between the two attitudes. So even with her being, you know, told by Blackwood to do this, you'd think she'd be like, huh, that seemed that seemed <laughs> right. too easy. Yeah. Because Prudence is not dumb. Like, she's, she's very smart and very manipulative, which admittedly is just how she's had to live her life, I think, to, to get anywhere. Because Blackwood is her, you know pseudo father and they're just in general kind of nasty whatever like it's, it's not a nice world to be in yeah, a little bit no not at all but so she, they come she's not broke they uh they get her, she she just walks past them and after she tells them that you know this is salem my familiar and uh he comes to me whenever i wherever i am yeah yeah because salem is back and I like that no one does pick on her and, for having uh, the, her familiar come there. Like they there there's some sabotage of it later, they get him sent away. But it's not like, oh how pathetic. You had your familiar come and help you. It's like, ah oh, man, we were foiled by this awesome cat. Like, yeah, you were. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean Prudence definitely caught the cat or and or ran you know crying to father blackwood like (laughs) sabrina's got her familiar but whatever that's fine sabrina calls home (laughs) and uh she hates it but how she has to stick it out he says man i guess i didn't realize how intense those expos are (laughs) listen it's very important it's very important the, the honey industry is just cutthroat <laughs> up in Greendale. It's such a big within lie, and he just, just, just... accepts it. <laughs> like, oh, you seem a little bit overwrought for this, but that's fine. It makes perfect sense. You said it, so it's true. I love you, Sabrina. He <laughs> was like, oh, you're having a bad time. I'll just drive up to the farm expo and find, because she's there to help out Zelda or and Hilda with the honey, just find the honey <laughs> portion and be like, hey, I don't know anybody here. Oh, that would have been very good. And Harvey just like drove up to surprise her at the expo. And like, where were you? I spent the whole weekend trying to find you. He just walks <laughs> up and down the roads. I bought a cow. <sighs> oh, he's good. <laughs> he would definitely buy one of those fur cows. Anyway. 
maybe a goat, like goats. But so Harvey once again has no idea what kind of a story he's in. And uh, then we got the great, her pajamas are gone and Salem is gone. And she, she fights Prudence poorly. And there's, I, I'm very uncomfortable with this scene. Like, I know maybe I'm reacting a little too much to all of it, but it's similar, I guess, to like her initiation where she had to strip and then, you know, Blackwood was there too. He just waltzes in. He doesn't knock or anything into the girls' dorms where they're all in various states of like not dressedness. That's not okay. <laughs> I think it's okay. One, it's definitely not okay. It didn't bother me as much as the initiation because that was a very like ritualistic stripping and undressing, and she was in very little. Most of the girls were in some form of a robe, still creepy, and he should definitely not just be wandering in and out of the girls' dorm. It just bothered me a little bit less. For I some think reason, it reminded me specifically I think it's like just real that they had on this, like Trump letting just wandering into the dressing room at the whatever yeah. it is, Miss America pageant or whatever that he runs. So I think that was yeah. in my mind too. And I'm just like, I don't like this. I don't like the parallels yeah. that people do this in the real world and then the entitlement and ah! <laughs> yeah. well, there's definitely nothing yeah. to like about it. So Not good. It's a bad scene. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's very bad. Also, but, yeah, okay, so they've so... got, he's got Salem. Not the point, cool. except that we find out that he is yes. behind the bullying that happens to her. But he blames her for the fight, calls in Zelda, yeah. blah blah blah. And at the end of it, when she like um leaves the office, she's like, "I'm still missing my pajamas, by the way," and like stares at him a long time, which is an awkward minute. But like, <laughs> 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 yeah. and I don't know if because I think the okay. So the girls, I'm assuming that the girls told him he caught Salem or they caught Salem for him and then they stole her pajamas. But then I was thinking, but what? So we see that Madam Satan grabs like hair and pieces of clothing and stuff too, you know, later. So I would be real worried about my pajamas being missing because she has to know by this point that like magic can be done using her clothes to like help target her. Good point. So I too would be very worried about the pajamas. <laughs> but Zelda comes in there. She's very offended so, also that Sabrina hasn't been immediately placing conjuring because she doesn't know how school works apparently. <laughs> but she at least makes a suggestion listen. like, well then go ahead and test her, which is reasonable, but also I don't know how you think she would pass it, except that she just thinks her niece is, has their Spellman blood and is amazing and doesn't need to be trained. <laughs> yeah. She is the chosen one. She will be good at everything. You know, but yeah, and again, this is another one of those where Blackwood he had a point, which is that she could be dangerous to herself and others because right. she doesn't know what she's doing. Like, I really hate that you make me agree with Father Blackwood. <laughs> Stop. But, yeah. And so he decides, because he is still terrible, that the, the best test of this is to give her something that, uh, if she screws with, up with it, will drive her mad. Yeah. You know, this this 
Acheron configuration. Like kind of knowing and like utilizing Zelda's pride because she does, she looks at it and immediately knows this isn't yeah. a fair test and is like, well, that's not okay. That's going to possibly damage her. It's really a hard thing to do. And he's like, well, but she's your niece and she's like really strong, right? It won't work on her. She's like, right, of course not. It's fine. We've got yeah. this. Ah, <laughs> oh, Zelda. But, um, and I mean, puzzle boxes, again, it's another horror trope. They traditionally don't go well for people in uh, horror movies. And I looked up the Acheron. I'm definitely not saying this right. Good idea. I didn't even think to look it up. I thought they just made up the word. I'm excited. It is is a river in Greece. And it was one of the ones that was uh, believed to be a path into and through the underworld. And was known as, it was known as the River of Woe. Okay. So. Very cool. This particular configuration he has had mm-hmm. and been working at for years. We don't know that till later. I don't know if Zelda knows that. But he does like right as he's saying like that or that as Zelda's saying that you can get caught up in it and um like go mad. He's yeah. staring at it and very clearly like has begun to get like stuck in this puzzle. And oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, no, 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 no. This teenager, she'll be fine. Because he gives nothing. But, um, so he gives her this puzzle, which, again, like you said, basically he just is like bluffing Zelda to accept this as, hey, look, if you don't think your niece can handle it, then, uh, she stays in herbology. <laughs> and Zelda's like, no, no, she's got this. She's fine. She's a spellman. But, and so, as we find out later, is that um, Sabrina's father is the one who built this particular version. And do you think, I don't think there was any recognition from Zelda of, like, oh, that's Edward's work. Yeah, it's hard to say. Because I don't know if she would have said anything if she did. But I also feel like if she, like, pride aside, like, if she knew what that was and that it was that hard to beat and recognize that Blackwood didn't just have it lying around as like a desk puzzle, but like had been working at it for years. She would have been able to, with no pride loss, say, you can't even figure that out. How is that make sense? Like (laughs) you don't give it to a student. So I don't think she did know what it was. No, I don't think so. But it was just sort of a a thought I had because, also, Zelda has her problems and she has her pride, but she also actually does care for Sabrina. She wouldn't deliberately, you know, let her lose her mind. Mm-hmm. We don't think. Um, and then Blackwood's like, okay, good. Uh, can I talk to Zelda alone, please? Not please, but. And um, so we find out that he wants Zelda to be to midwife to his wife and that she's had uh, multiple miscarriages. And they do it in a weird way because at first he wants to talk to her privately. She's very excited. And he like says that his wife's been having problems and she's more excited. And until she finds out that he's asking her to be a midwife, I definitely got the vibe that his wife is cursed and possibly by Zelda and that she was expecting to step in as a replacement. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I, okay. I think we all know that Zelda's got a thing for Blackwood. But I didn't get the, that you thought maybe she'd cursed for the wife. Eh, interesting. I could see that. 
that's awkward. That's even more awkward. <laughs> Cause yeah, I was definitely thinking that she was thinking that he was going to be like, you know, uh, they can't, there's a lot of stress with the wife and everything. And, uh, Hey, Zelda, you're here and beautiful and powerful. Would you like to be my second wife? But yeah, the, the midwifing came to a big shock. I like how she kept repeating it. Like to, to Lady Blackwood, a midwife. Yeah. And that's also a lot like her reputation, I guess, is that she's never lost a baby. Like that's gotta be, I mean, I don't know a lot about midwifing, but that seems like a real great track record. <laughs> yeah. So. I and wonder if she she's ever agreed. lost a, like, do they care if the mother dies? Like she's never lost a baby, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, no, because she was real specific saying she'd never lost a baby. And, I mean, in fairness, we do know that Father Blackwood cares a lot more about that kid than he does his wife. Uncomfortable, awkward, bad yeah. scene. But. Yeah. So Zelda's going to be my midwife. Yay! Um, and, then... and then we're back to Sabrina. Yeah. Nick's next outfit. <laughs> I wrote down every single episode, single outfit he wears in this episode. I think I'm going to keep this up. <laughs> he doesn't have the leather jacket anymore. He has like this very old fashioned looking, like almost denim monochrome navy cardigan set, and it's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> it's so not his bad boy look. He's a very complex character. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's trying to figure out what appeals to Sabrina the most. Yeah. Oh, I like you know? that. It's like Yanto and Torchwood. Uh... Okay. <laughs> Oh my god. Ah. <laughs> Love Yanto. Yes. <laughs> ah. Yeah, okay. I had a thought of that. It's great. They talk about it and he lets her know that, hey, that's not, a, like, he recognizes it immediately, so he definitely knows something's yeah. going on, and he's like, that's not just a regular puzzle, that's your dad's puzzle that Blackwood specifically cannot yep. solve. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. And didn't he say, okay, so he tried to sort of fiddle with it for like three years, not Blackwood, but Nick. And, um... Did he say, I wrote down 20 years, but now I doubt myself, because that seems like a very long time. I did not write down the number of years. I don't know. <laughs> so Blackwood's playing with that puzzle. But, um, he, yeah, no. And he wrote it. And we also find out that uh, he dated all three of the Weird Sisters at the same they time. Share. <laughs> Which is fine, but I also, like, because this is where we find out that their powers are uh, mind control is one of their talents. And so we find out that he he apparently broke up with them because he wasn't sure which were his thoughts and which were suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but then how do you protect yourself from them not suggesting things to you now that they're pissed? <laughs> right. Like, I would be concerned about that too, which is not a good release, reason to stay in a relationship. <laughs> right. Before I said, hey, I'm breaking up with you girls, like have figured out how to protect myself. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. But, like, I I guess 
they could just also not let him break up, right? Like, you don't want to break up with us. Yeah. You love this. But, so, like, whatever yeah. it is, like, it's suggestion, not force, maybe. And, like, maybe once you know what's happening, you can kind of be, like, be a little more resistant, maybe? Or maybe, maybe. they just, maybe. like, are more respectful than that, and if someone says no, they'll hate you. <laughs> but not actually, like, force anything, which would be good. That would be like good. They have to have maybe some morals. <laughs> I just don't know if I believe that that is a thing that they got caught. <laughs> but it could be. You know, that could be something that they're like, yeah, we do terrible things and everything, but this, mm, no. This is one step too far for us. <laughs> it might also just not be worth the effort. Like once someone knows and then is actively trying to resist, just like how much do you really want to invest yeah. in making that work versus find someone else who will be like not care at all and just sure. let you do it. Sure. <laughs> and it could all just be him, you know, hinting to Sabrina about what to expect from them because it doesn't work on him because he is literally the devil. <laughs> right. So, you know, one of those. Um, and then. So she tries to get him to sneak her into the, the restricted section of the library so that she can look through her father's journals. And he's like, no, we're definitely going to get caught. We're not doing that. Which, that's yes. fair. And then I think we're to Ambrose at the mortuary. Uh, first, Roz tells Harvey that Jesse saw something in the mines, and Harvey just oh, makes like good. the biggest like <gasps> face. And that's that. It's not a long scene, but it happens. Yeah. So later, <laughs> when we see him at the house, it makes sense. Yeah, yes. I, I I forgot. I mean, I didn't write that down, but because yeah, it went by so fast. But um, and I mean, Harvey didn't tell anybody except for his brother about seeing something in the mind before this, did he? Sabrina. But yeah, no, it was not something that was well known. Okay, yeah. yeah. So his reaction is sort of a lot for Roz. Be like, hey, so have I got a story to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely something down there in the mines. But, um, okay, so then Luke calls up and asks Ambrose out on a date, which, you know, we find out. <laughs> um, but Ambrose can't go. So then he's like, we could just help me astral project, and she's like, "No, no, dangerous." The psychopomps, which are like little sparrowy things, which are adorable. Yes. Something called the Dweller in the Abyss, which does not sound friendly, and ultimately that Zelda will kick their asses. Yeah, like I think they're more concerned about Zelda than any of those other things, really. Which is fair. And then, uh, I mean, Zelda shows up and is haughty and terrible to them and is, you know, off to have dinner with the high priest and rubs it in Hilda's face again. And Hilda's like, oh, okay, fine. Never candles. mind. Let's go. <laughs> I feel like Hilda is one of those people, like, if you, if you aim it right, if you dare her, she will do something that she definitely does not want to do. <laughs> right. But you have dared her. You have annoyed her, and she will do it now. So they're getting ready for that, and then uh, Prudence comes, and she's caught the Raven Stolas in the girl's yeah, shower. That's creepy. <laughs> it is creepy. It is creepy. He should not have been there. But there are other places um, that, like, I'm not sure Madam Satan needs Stolas to spy on Sabrina in the showers. I'm just saying, like, it makes some sense to watch her while she's in the school, but there are other ways to do it. Yeah. Yes. And uh, 
And then there's the whole thing, you know, every time I see Madam Satan and, uh, you know, Blackwood together, I just really wish she would yep. kill him. That's God. I mean, he has a good She's point. She's going to eat him soon. <laughs> and I mean, in fairness, he has yet another good point, which is, hey, while I have Sabrina here, you could be off, you know, uh, breaking all of her ties with all these people that are keeping her there. Like, you know, I, I've got her. He does not, in fact, have her safe. But, uh, you know, it also gets Madam Satan out of the way. I know I have issues also with, like, pride and like spite but i don't like that he tells her how to do her job and so therefore even if it's a good idea i don't like that she then does it like i want her to double down and eat him and take over the school and make all of the areas her area but it's fine and that's fair <laughs> and i agree it would go so much better if she ate him and took over but he's also not wrong <laughs> right he's doing He's doing it so that she doesn't catch him, you know, talking to Prudence about, hey, hey, maybe we stab Sabrina a little bit harder this time, you know, trying to cover his butt. But he's not wrong in that she could be using this time to to make other moves. So would it be improved by her eating him and then, you know, mounting his head on her desk? <laughs> sure. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so... And then they're getting prepared in the in the mortuary because, of course, where else would you astral project from, I guess? And uh, Hilda agrees to 20 minutes. And um, and then so I tried to figure out what what he was saying, what it meant. I think I caught the word anima, which makes sense for his spirit, but I didn't catch the rest of it. <laughs> so I think it's uh, vola anima per eterna. Okay. Um, which... According to Google Translate, which has never been wrong before <laughs> ever, um, it's something about a flying a soul to or for like eternity or everlasting. So I think it's just nonsense Latin. Okay. With, you know, the, they had a couple of words that made sense, like souls and flying and everything, and they just smashed <laughs> them all together to make it sound. I mean, that seems like the way Latin is used. Yeah. Like, that, that is probably better use of Latin than most shows that have some sort of demonic ritual or something, so. <laughs> probably. Okay. You know, if they just have a show where they're talking in pig Latin, you know. Amazing. Like, listen, nobody's got, nobody's got time to learn Latin. This is what we're going with. I feel it. Okay, so I was sh like shopping yesterday and saw like a kid's zombie book that I need to pick up at some time, but I haven't read it yet. Something like that. Like there needs yeah. to be like a kid's version of these where they do all their spells in pig Latin. I want that to exist. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so good. Because, I mean, honestly, who who has time to learn Latin? <laughs> And just like you know, ixnay. It it it's nonsense. Yeah, it makes sense. So he's out for his twenty minutes slash half an hour date, which this is honestly a terrible idea. Aside from all of the dangers and everything, like how you how do you have a date you can't touch your act? He acts so weird the whole yes. time. <laughs> like I don't know how he thought dates went, <laughs> and that he thought this was going to be a great idea. What he planned to happen, but it didn't go that way i guess he just wanted to try and yeah. be normal and have one normal first date and didn't think it through and i don't blame him ambrose deserves you know 
a good time, a good date with Luke, but this was not, this was never going to go well ever. There's a sparrow um, that shows up immediately after Luke does, and he had promised to leave at the first sign of sparrows. He doesn't. And it's just... <laughs> no. It, you know, you, everybody knew that was a lie. Well, we also <sighs> didn't know how often, like, Hilda. how soon they show up. And also, there is this, like, sense of doom that right. keeps creeping up because they're by him in that area where his spirit is, and they're also gathering inside the Spellman house where his body is. And the way yeah. Hilda was acting to- about them, you think this is a very big danger, and it never comes to anything so far in this series. No. So, it- it's a weird bit. It is. You know, it was one of those just rat- ramp up the tension, I guess. And it worked yeah. because I was like, as the birds kept multiplying, I'm like, no, 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 it's bad. Never go home. But, and he also messes that up, but whatever, you know. So Madam Satan, apparently they don't have like parent teacher conferences at the high school because nobody knows that that's her teacher. She just shows up and is like, I need to arrange okay, a no, funeral. To be fair. Okay, I don't see them as the type of people who go to parent-teacher conferences, but if you had been to one, and you saw Miss Wardwell as the mousy, quiet little history nerd, and then, like, I don't know how many people, like, remember their children's teachers anyway, but then later, you see this very confident, like, sexy, made-up person coming in for funeral. You don't necessarily immediately make that connection. That's fair, and I'm, I'm, my parents worked at the school district like they knew all of my teachers so they definitely would have remembered her but that's probably not everybody's experience <laughs> so so she shows up as a walk-in and Hill is like oh we don't normally do this uh have a seat because she's got to run back to check on ambrose and then just Let's her wander about the house aimlessly. <laughs> well, she thinks she's going to stay and look at catalogs, I guess probably for, like, coffins and stuff. <laughs> I'm guessing? But did she really think that, like, she di- she disappeared for, like, a solid <laughs> yeah. minutes, at least. And you would think, okay, at some point, this woman is going to be like, hey, I'm in a creepy old house and I have been abandoned. Just going to start screaming. If she was like a normal person, but instead, okay. So, I mean, if this is also like at night, and I just I feel like yes. sorry, we're closed. Here's our number, which you obviously have because you found us in a phone book or whatever to have shown up here. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> like leaving someone in the lobby saying there's catalogs over there somewhere is probably not the best way to handle that if you just don't have time to deal with the situation right now. Probably not. And I don't know how many people like just walk up to a funeral home and are like, hey, I, uh, I have a dead body in my trunk. I have need of disposal. Like, yeah, I think you probably normally get called for that. But uh, so Ambrose, like Luke is asking him, like, what's the craziest thing you did? And he tells him that he tried to blow up the Vatican. Yes. I would have lied. <laughs> that, like, I get that it's probably not a problem since Luke is also a warlock. <laughs> but that, that's a lot. 
That's like maybe third date yeah. information. I mean, I was saying, like that he says like, oh wow, you're getting to like the really deep questions right away. That's not a super deep question. That's a perfectly fine first date question as long as Luke doesn't know the answer. Yeah. But I think he does. But you don't have to answer yeah. it honestly. <laughs> that is a good point. No. <laughs> But also, this seems like a good place where, like, maybe you don't have to give the details, but you could say, well, I did get into some trouble. I'm actually under house arrest. So really, the craziest thing I've done is astral project here and stuck around when there are, like, six sparrows in that window now. So this has been fun, but I gotta bounce. Like, call me tomorrow. We'll meet at my house. Because <laughs> that's See, and that would be because then you'd have the whole thing of, like, Luke being like, you risked that to go on the date with me? Like, crazy, but maybe a little appealing. Yeah. That's cute. As opposed to, so I tried to blow up the Vatican. I mean, that's normal. That's fine. Right? But it also made me wonder, because Sabrina's parents died on the way to the Vatican. I don't really know, like, is the Vatican, like, a split place between the Church of Night and the Catholic Church in this universe? Was he... Which side was he attacking? Was Edward involved in that plan? There's so much we don't know about this, but it's interesting. <laughs> there's so much. I mean, there's all sorts of, like, in real world, there's all sorts of conspiracies about, you know, the Vatican is run by lizard people, or, excuse me, or, you know, it's secretly satanic rituals go on and stuff like that. So I wonder if they're sort of playing off that, where, like, in this world, no, there really is, like, there's the, there's the Vatican, and then there's the dark Vatican, and, uh, that's where evil Pope is. I don't know. Or, you know, he was trying to blow it up because it's just the Vatican. And he was like, you know, this is the bastion of, of the false God, the enemy. And I'm just going to blow it up. And Edward was a scholar. So maybe he was just flying there on business. I think they say he was there for like, uh, I don't know. I, I want to say that he was there for some sort of presentation or he was doing a thing there. But I may have made that up in my head. <laughs> yeah. But he also had, like, a normal yeah. people job. So I think maybe he was doing a prep. I think I just assumed he was there doing a presentation of, like, history. And not, hey, by the way, here's the alternate uh, offer. Opposite team here. <laughs> Go Satan. Um, <laughs> in the middle of the Vatican. So I don't know. It's interesting, though, that it keeps circling around that. And then, so, again, Madam Satan's just tooling around the house, stealing <laughs> people's hair. The, I have to say, okay, I have, a, I have a thing with spit. I don't care for it. I don't like it. It shouldn't be involved in anything. And her using her spit on that mirror is just a lot for me. I can see that. <laughs> Just like if I if that was my mirror and I found out about that, I would have to throw it away. Not even clean it. It's dead now. It's past. No, it's okay. dead now. It's just gone. It's uh, <laughs> right. no. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> it's not enough that she's invading their privacy. She had to use her spit. <sighs> I'd be kind of okay with it. <laughs> it might depend on the person who spit it is, but I, I can't say. <laughs> Oh, Uh, I know it's a. It's just not okay. Uh, It's unnecessary. Home 
and is like, can I help you? Why are you walking around my house? She gives her, like, sort of flimsy story about, oh, I was just looking for the powder room. The nice British lady abandoned me here. And Zelda's not having it. She's just like, okay, get out. <laughs> and then no. deals with her family stuff. Yeah. She says, oh, I'm Sabrina's teacher. You know, I'm Mrs. Ward. Well, like, like she had a reason for being there, you know. I mean, she also throws in the, you know, I had a, I had to make funeral arrangements, but she's sort of like doubling down. Like I'm involved in the, your daughter, your daughter, your, your niece's life and everything. I'm not just some random stranger, but uh, yeah, Zelda's having none of it. And then she has to go deal with her whole family. But, and I'm like, so the whole Ambrose just, I feel like he was going poorly. Um, he looked, you know, sweaty and weird and gross and everything. I mean, as gross as Ambrose can look, which is not much. And, but I still think that if he hadn't yelled that this was a mistake before he literally vanished and Luke couldn't find him, that maybe Luke would have given him a second chance because it was weird and awkward, but I mean, a lot of first dates are. So if, if you're not literally yelling at the person that this is a mistake, he might have given him another chance. But, you know, once you've you've had that thrown in your face, what are you supposed to do? It's time to go. Move on. Yeah. Really heavy, like, personal background drops, followed by yelling and running out of the place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of drama here. (laughs) Got other things going on in my life. Yeah, there's a lot of drama. It's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Ambrose. But um so then we're we're at the next part of the harrowing, which is I had questions about the how is Greendale <laughs> laid out? Because so this is they're supposedly taking her to the tree where the witches were hung, right? Yeah. But it was in that apple orchard, which didn't appear I to be anywhere near the school. It's a moving tree. <laughs> it's not an end. It did not get up and walk there. So I just, but uh, later on we go back to this whole tree and I actually don't think it's the right tree at all. It's a, I think it's a different tree. I oh, think they were just awesome. screwing with her. Yeah. Because when you, when we see the tree in like the daylight, it's n- or in better, it's not the same tree. Because the tree that she was at in the apple orchard that the witches were hung from was like old and gnarled and much bigger. And this is, I mean, this is a solid tree, but I don't think it's the same tree. So I think the sisters like just walked her to a big tree that they used for this and are like, here's the witch's tree. So ha, ha, ha. possibility. I'll say two. Even. They're like back when she had to go through the maze, yeah. I had commented that like going through the maze made it the special tree. And there's like sort of a mystical thing in like just doing the journey. And I think that like from a mythical ritual yeah. standpoint, like walking the path and saying, this is the path they walked, blah, blah, blah. Repeating the story means that it might not be the real tree, yeah. but for the purposes of where they can walk in the middle of the night from their beds at the school, this right now is the path. And this right now is the tree. That makes sense. Yeah, and that, Okay. That I hadn't thought about it that way. That does make sense. I was just so concerned about yeah. geography <laughs> that I didn't think about it that way. Like they definitely didn't walk all the way to that tree. So that makes more sense. So it's like, it's ritualistically 
magically that tree. Okay. That makes more sense. And I think also like it, it will get to that scene there. We'll get to the details, but in a upcoming scene, the there's a spell where they're just saying light as a feather, stiff as a board, which seems to be like that's another thing like that that plays into that like magical thinking, even though there's actual scientific reasons that works too, but like the myth of it is just right. like saying these things and setting up your mind that way makes something real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's sort of the way I think a lot of the magic kind of works in this world, maybe. Like, it, you make it happen small scale, or you believe that it's going to happen hard enough, and it happens. Yeah. You might have to have a special bloodline or whatever to do it if this is, if it's actually bloodline based, but it's all about your will and your belief in it. So the part of this harrowing that bothered me more, I didn't, like, I, I have questions about the way this town is laid out in general, but with this one, I was more concerned about, it's a very, like, I feel like this is done a lot, but like, so she has to face forward no matter what happens until dawn. When she says, what happens if I turn around? They don't answer. So I think the answer is probably nothing, but they definitely want to imply that it might be that you die on the spot or get torn to shred by the, shreds by the demons that are yeah. like surrounding you. But anyway, it's very polite of them yeah. to wait. And let you decide to turn around before they eat you. But anyway, she's hearing things that she obviously yeah. can't be hearing. So I don't see how that's even supposed to be effective. Yeah. Like when it's her boyfriend that she knows isn't there saying, Sabrina, help me, or her mom that she knows is dead saying, Sabrina, help me. That would, I think, would not make someone turn well. around. Whereas if you had someone else who needed help, like if you had like the sound of someone running farther away and you think someone else is in trouble someone like Sabrina might like spring into action and do that. But no, they just have to like test for people that are close to her, True. even if she has no reason to believe it's actually happening. <laughs> right. But I mean, you would also think that your instinct is, so we have at least Harvey, we know he is alive and there is a slim possibility that the sisters could have abducted him and brought him there. Um, the mother and the father that's playing on the whole, you know, I never knew my parents. I want to see them because they start with appealing and trying to help, you know, help me. I want to see you. I'm so proud of you. Like just trying to, to lure her in. But I honestly also think that it's, well, one, it's the sisters. I don't think it's actually demons or ghosts or anything by that trait. I think it's the sisters messing with her again, but it's the, who was it? who went down into Hades to get his uh, wife back. Oh, okay. And he yeah, wasn't Orpheus. supposed to look. Orpheus, thank you. So, you know, he knew. He knew the consequences. He knew that if he looked, but she tripped, and his instinct was to turn around and make sure she was okay. So, like, you're trying to get that initial impulse thing. But I honestly think it's the sisters, and it's really less about, you know, oh, if you turn around, something's going to eat you, is that, we're just going to make you stand here and be terrified all night. So, because I don't think there was anything. I mean, there could have been, it's, it's Sabrina, but I don't think there was anything actually there. I think it was the sisters and they're just playing on the things that they know, you know, will hit her emotionally. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause if it was actually, you know, angry ghost or a demon or whatever, it would <laughs> definitely not have waited to turn around unless we're doing a legend thing, which doesn't seem to be the case. Then all my notes are just, wait, that's definitely not the same thing. Um. In the morning, Quentin shows up. And I don't know if we named him earlier. That's the ghost child that gave her to her. And he's like, it's okay. Yeah. It's dawn. So 
you can turn around now. And she's, she's so worried yeah. for him. <laughs> and he's like, nothing can hurt me here Look, anymore. Tiny creepy graveyard of Hallowed of Harrowed Children. Yep. It's been a while. So the whole thing, like she winds up calling home and saying children are being harrowed to death. Children were harrowed to death. He says like there hasn't been someone to do this in years. But I would think even if they weren't buried, children who died there would still be able to haunt them. Every one of those kids has been dead like for more than 100 years. (laughs) So I feel like maybe that's not a thing that happens anymore. But whatever. Right. And that's, yeah, I uh... I didn't see any of the kids there that made me think it was happening, like, in more recent times. Um, But Sabrina, you know, she got a bug up her butt about it. Which is fair, these children were murdered. But it's not like any of the people are still there for her to do anything about. Even if the kids could tell her, hey, it was, you know, (laughs) Phil from down the road. Like, what is Sabrina going to do except for go up there and yell at them? And they will laugh at her. So I did appreciate that uh, Sabrina calls home and Zelda is like, oh, you're being harrowed and children died, which I feel like Zelda kind of had to know. Like, I feel like that's a historical thing. But I did appreciate that Zelda's like, oh, really? And it's just, she's going to go. And she's just going to break. So she had been, like, in the midwife conversation, Blackwood referred to her as fiercely maternal. And her first words when Sabrina says she needs help is, oh, what kind of help? What have you done now? Like, that's not fiercely maternal. But as soon as she finds out she's being bullied, I'm going to that school right now. I am going to stop this. Which is a normal parenting thing and much more of the fierce protective mom thing. But also, she doesn't have a problem with bullying when it happens to anyone else. And I have a hard time being sympathetic or appreciating yeah. this reaction because she's the worst. <laughs> Fair. I. It's just, I, I, again, Zelda's not a great person. But I like her. Like, it, it is true. It is a problem. Like, I mean, we know she bullied her sister. I assume that she, you know, participated in the harrowings of other people at the same year. Like, Zelda is not a good person. But the people that she does decide to... I don't know. There's no excuse for this. It's like she decides this is her... These are her people and she will defend them. And God help you if you get in her way. She is going to just mess you up. And I like that. She's bad about so many other things. And I cannot justify any of that. But I like... That she is, when she sees something that offend, like that offends her sense of family and everything, she is going to deal with that in the quickest and sometimes most violent way possible. So, no excuses. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I just like her. She does, I think this was maybe the first episode where she starts to make amends for that, or at least to like, she understands her flaws. And so, like, I still yeah. at this point really, really dislike her, but she, I know that by the end of the season, she gets yeah. to a point where I like her. So it, it's fine. It starts here. She's right. flawed, but she's getting better. Um, and the whole thing with her leading with, what did you do now? I mean, it's, see, okay, maybe it's not great parenting, but it is something where, like, okay, she and Sabrina have been fighting. And then the last time she got called to the school, it was because Sabrina was, and yeah, she wound up being like, well, you're just not challenging her. But, you know, Sabrina snuck in her familiar as far as they can tell, and she's starting fights. And I don't think that 
Zelda got, you know, Sabrina's side, which is that she didn't start it. They were, you know, picking on her. So I can see, you know, a parent being like, now what? You know, because you're already in a frustrated place. Again, not great parenting, but I can sort of see why she led with like, okay, what now? But yeah, again, not great. I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, yeah, that's, that's good parenting. But I feel like I can understand it from my position of zero children. That makes me an expert. (laughs) So they, they talk to Blackwood and he's like, heroin's a good thing. It weeds out the weak. And if Sabrina's not weak, then she'll be fine. So why are you even worried? (laughs) Oh, so much. So much bull. And, like, okay, this was before we found out that he was, like, she has to go here, but he didn't say she had to have a good time here, you know, about the Lord. Because I'm like, I don't understand what he thinks because he's, like, He's willing to let Sabrina maybe get killed because we know people have died from harrowing and they're really like focused on Sabrina. But also his job is to deliver her, I'm assuming alive to the dark Lord. So what is his game here? And I mean, we find out later it's to, to make her miserable while also not killing her, which (laughs) is a broad definition of a goal. So the, the scene where they go out there and she's showing her aunts, the ghost kids, it's a little scene and it really shouldn't, but I was like tearing up with Hilda and the little ghost kids and her being like understanding. They don't want to go home. They don't want to, they want revenge. And that's, I don't know why, but that really got to me. I'm like, yes, she, she is there for them. She's going to advocate for them to get their little creepy hands on people. Probably not the reaction no, I should I have had, but there sense. you go. And like Zelda's also clearly affected by it. Like she, she pretty gleefully brings up his uh, Hilda's heroing earlier in the episode, and she probably does sort of like in her self-centeredness yeah. not think of it as a bad thing that happened. She thinks of it as like, well, you were the person who brought your spiders to school. Remember how bad that was and how we all made fun of you? Aren't you glad yeah. we made you stronger? And when she sees that Hilda's not over it, and what she really wants is revenge and that's still affecting her, she maybe realizes, hey, that was kind of a shitty thing to do, and I treated her like they're treating Sabrina, and it's not okay now that it's happening to someone I care about, and I'm not the one doing it. (laughs) Right. Well, because even doesn't Father Blackwood bring up that, you know, you harrowed people, you killed your sister. Like, that's... (laughs) You've done much worse than what's happening right now. But I, I do think this is one of the first instances where Zelda really gets that, like, she she did some stuff that is not over. Like, this is a long-lasting effect. And I think it it says a lot about Hilda, who, again, <laughs> is, you know, a cannibal witch, whatever. Who, she's like, Zelda has done awful things to her and arguably probably ruined a lot of her life. And she is still so nice about so many things. It just, she needs a hug. So I think then we go back yeah. to Susie's house with Harvey. 
trying to yeah. interrogate he starts Uncle to Jesse. Read my version of this. this. This is not literally what they said, but basically the discussion they have first is, "Why didn't you tell us about Jesse?" Yeah. And as soon as he's like, "Well, I mean, your dad did this to him, so I thought that might be awkward, but I'm glad it's not." <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, <laughs> Susie is right. You don't just bring it up. Okay, our literal, our literal uh, ghost in the attic here. Um, your dad caused it. Thanks. Let's still be friends. Um, but and I would um, the thing like Harvey's Harvey's imagination of how to question somebody about this deeply deeply traumatic event because before you know anything else, you're like this man is so traumatized that he is catatonic 99% of the time, as far as they know. And his whole line of questioning is, Hey, I saw a creepy thing. Did you see a creepy thing? Like that's not, that's not going to get you anywhere, man. But then uncle Jesse comes to life and yeah, yeah I too would have run screaming. And I th- it, it's a scene, right? Like he does—he doesn't he's, uh, just pretty scary. Re- like he actually jumps out of bed and attacks and almost kills Harvey. So, oh, if yeah. that was a normal thing, you understand yeah. Susie's fear. If it's the first time it happened and he was otherwise just laying in bed breathing hard, yeah. it's an extreme reaction. <laughs> like, but and I just don't know because we just don't know what has happened before because she talks about him like. He's mostly okay. Like he just, he's just there and you bring him things when he needs them. Like it didn't sound to me like he was at least in her knowledge known for having violent fits or anything. But again, I go back to, did he, when he was younger before Susie knew what was going on and her dad was like, no, listen, you got to be careful and tell her, you know, scary stories basically, which is also not cool, but Maybe it was the only way he could think of to try and keep her from maybe, you know, yeah. getting hurt. I, I didn't get the impression he was there that long. They don't really clarify how long he has been there. But, like, I was thinking in the, long, I, in like, in the just... realm of months. But, I mean, still, it's kind of a weird situation. But it could be years. I don't think they say. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest. I just went straight to years. And, like, he's been up there <laughs> for Susie's whole life. <laughs> and just, like again like you know mrs rochester up in the attic like he's just he's just there and we just don't talk about him because Susie doesn't seem to know a whole lot about him and we find out later like about who he was before all of this so it just makes me think because it's such a small town and he worked in the mine that if he had been around other people would know him and notice that as himself like you know yeah so I guess maybe that's where I think that, or that could just be, you know, that they missed that beat with the writing. But I think I'm retroactively saying that that's why I thought that he'd been there for a long time. No, that makes sense. But yeah, it could just be, because yeah, because nobody else talks about like the other dude who saw something in the mine and freaked out. Because at least Harvey's brother would have known about that. Yeah. So anyway, so he, you know, attacks Harvey, which is. Fair. I too want to hit Harvey a lot, and uh, is screaming and is just generally terrifying. And then Susie has to—I think it was Susie—had to whack him upside the head with that big, uh, look like a vase. Yeah. So go, Susie. Still terrible, but hey. And then do we go back 
to where it's Zelda yeah. and Hilda talking. It's almost cute. <laughs> it's that it's another one of those scenes where it sort of got to me where like you said it's like this is Zelda starting to realize that she has she has done some damage, you know, but her for the phrasing like if I pushed your harrowing too far and Hilda being <laughs> like if you're kidding, right? If and and her actually apologize. I hold much more of a grudge than this. She really wants to have a good relationship with her sister. Like, she's still in the house. They still live together. And when Zelda's, like, not going to bed, she's just like, I thought I'd read for a while. Hilda's like, so I'll put some tea on. And she's so happy. Like, they're just going to have their sister bonding time. It's very yeah. sweet. And I, I have mixed feelings about it because I don't feel like Zelda maybe deserves for Hilda to still be this forgiving and this much wanting a good relationship with her but she does want it and I love Hilda and I'm going to love Zelda eventually so I hope they get it <laughs> right I mean and it could be the whole thing of like you know do you deserve forgiveness or does the person decide to just offer that's it to you point. you know Ian I mean that's is it's Hilda making the choice to reach back out to her sister which is i agree with you that would not be me i have i have like burned people out of my life for much less than what it sounds like zelda has done to hilda um and had zero regrets about it <laughs> so hilda is a much better person in that respect than i am but yeah it, it was i think it was a very good scene between the two of them yeah and it helps I think it does help start bringing Zelda to still a terrible person, but trying maybe not to be as terrible. I don't know if she realizes how bad she's been to everybody yet, but it was a good scene. I thought. And then we have the whole ghosts versus the weird sisters thing. Yeah. Starting with the next stage of the harrowing, which is literally they're going to hang her to death. <laughs> it's taking a step up. That is a lot. <laughs> that is. And I mean, I get, okay. So to Prudence's point, you can, you can hang somebody without killing them right away. Uh, still torture. And, a big step up from just having her like locked in a room or stand outside all night and listen to creepy things. Like this is, even if you don't die, this is very dangerous and you could have permanent damage and it's just tr so much trauma. I don't, that's, it's so much. It's yeah. just prudence. And I wonder about what like the harrowings were where the kids did die. Like, is this, how all the harrowings go. Like you go from being creeped out to, Hey, actual attempted murder. Like is the last step or were there, you know, just creativity, you know, each generation does their own thing, but it was a big step up and I don't like it at all. If your uh, plan is to just terrorize her and not accidentally murder her, this is a bad plan. <laughs> and if your plan is to murder her, there are probably easier ways. Like, this isn't this isn't even harrowing anymore. Just, like, abandon the pretense no. and stab, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe. Just, you know, some trips going on the stairs. I don't know. There look like a lot of stairs in that place. Um, but, so, Sabrina you know, has come prepared. Hilda has, you know, she says, you know, we're going to have fun in that one scene. We're going to play a game. Here's what you do. And Sabrina, you know, is very 
confidence that her ghost allies who now have been told that, hey, you know those people that tortured you? Well, here are some people just like them. And now you get to, like, you get to hurt them. And they have a lot of faith that the ghosts are going to stop when Sabrina (laughs) says stop. And I would not have had that much faith in the angry children. In some things, like different um, stories, like being dead for a while, like in Supernatural, just being stuck as a spirit makes people violent and evil over time. Like, they kind of lose their humanity. Mm -hmm. That didn't seem to be the case here. Like, Hilda's whole thing is the people that were harrowed were all good kids, or else they would have been the ones doing the bullying, and all good children just want permission to be bad and get revenge. So they're putting a lot of faith in that, even though they're ghosts and have been dead for a long time and should have a lot of anger. They're good kids who will follow the direction to go this far and no further and who maybe don't necessarily want to kill someone, even someone who is awful and is killing someone else. And that is a lot of faith that I don't know that the ghost children had earned. (laughs) Okay. okay? I mean, and I don't know if maybe ghosts work differently in here and where like they can't go that far. Like, you know, Certain some people have theories in the real world as like like ghosts if they're real can only do so much but they can't actually physically harm you like they can fling stuff at you but they can't choke you out you know so I don't know if maybe they're operating on the ghosts are limited but the ghosts were pretty brutal so I don't think that that's it I think that they were just trusting them to still be yes. good children and. Good children have accidents. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I'm not saying, like, you, you hear always hear horror stories about these kids who, like, they dropped a, a smaller child and that kid is hurt. The, the, the bigger child is a good child and did not intend to hurt that child, but they dropped them because accidents happen. And given that they, you know, ghost hang the weird sisters, yeah. accidents happen. This is a terrible idea. And it's another one of those, okay, we're terrorizing the weird sisters into being good, basically. In, into not actively doing this particular bad thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's a bit of a problem, especially because, as it turns out, that the, uh, the weird sisters maybe didn't see the ghosts. Oh. Which means that they thought literally just Sabrina. Oh, that is good. I don't, yeah, I don't know if she refers to them at all or if they just think she got a massive power up that they didn't know about. <laughs> I, I don't remember her saying anything about it, just saying that the harrowing, you know, ends tonight and then, you know, they're pulling on the rope and she won't go up, but they go up. Yeah. And, you know, her making them agree to it. And it's like, okay, if Nick couldn't see the ghost, which I, we don't know if Quentin just disappeared or whatever. But if nobody was seeing the ghost except for Sabrina, yeah, like, then they had no idea. They have to reveal themselves is what I got. Because like, the ants see them later, but yeah. like they're all presumably around right. before that. But when Quentin's like, do you want to see? They all decide to appear visibly. So yeah, I, I, that's a right, good yeah. point that they may not have been visible. And wow. <laughs> yep. Yep. So... It's a, it's a, it's a bit of Sabrina just being like, listen, don't fuck with me. But, 
and then we get to with her talking to Prudence and being like, listen, if you talk about my mom again, I will choke <laughs> you on your own blood. You're like, well, that is that is it a is. firm statement. That is very aggressive. And I maybe see what the devil sees in you. It's it's a very good exchange. I like that. Like there was no reason Prudence had to accept her hand to get up. You can you can stand up yourself. It's a thing, yeah. you know. But um, yeah. she does, which feels like it's kind of a handshake thing. That if you take this, you're accepting what I say. There's a truce now. You're not coming after me again. And yeah, then yeah. she takes it a step further. Like, but by the way, if you do, I will kill you. And that I think is the type of thing that Prudence respects. Oh no, 100%. And the thing with, like, you know, if the roles had been reversed, Prudence would not have offered Sabrina a hand. You see that as Sabrina being like the relatively good guy position, being like, listen, not, you know, we're going to be allies to whatever degree. I'm reaching out to you yet again. Uh, but if you mess with me, I will not hesitate. Yeah. It was good. It was very well It was done. very good. Yeah. And um, then do we go back to. Uh, uh, the house and checking on yeah, Uncle Jesse upstairs. He's tied to a bed, which is going to be kind of hard to explain to uh, Susie's dad, but that's cool. <laughs> yep, and uh, definitely some exorcist vibes going on there, and I don't know why, but his long johns are just so weird to me. Like, is whatever. I'm from Florida, so anybody in long johns, I'm like, <laughs> but aren't you hot? Very, very warm. But it, not important, because um, that's definitely a demon in there. I <laughs> know. Because and isn't he shouting like he's gonna kill you all or something like that? I don't remember if he's doing that yet. Probably. Not. I think so because I don't think we go back to him this episode. And my thing is so if my if my theory is correct that he is a demon in there, so he's in that body. What did Harvey see in the mine? Like a different demon? I think, no, when you, so this demon, when we learn who it is, is called the Devouring Worm and doesn't seem to have, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that there may be multiple demons and monsters in there. Like we see in Harvey's mind when he's telling the story back to what he saw and he clearly saw the Baphomet-like figure that is also at Sabrina's baptism. That's their like representation of the devil. I think Jesse saw whatever the demon in its natural non-possessive state looks like right giant squishy worm okay that's my thought i and i mean that's right that that makes sense because that was my because originally you know harvey's assuming that oh we saw the same thing but i don't i don't think that's possible because the demon is in him and there's still something in the mind so and they talk about it being you know so close to hell and all that stuff so it's like a demon superhighway. They're on a hellmouth. They're just like, oh god, they're on the hellmouth. Sorry, I was just reading the new Buffy comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, so you think that Harvey actually saw like yeah. the the devil in there, and not just like another demon? Because the goat horns thing is pretty easy to put on. <laughs> yeah. There was a guy, I have to watch it to be sure, but I think at Sabrina's baptism, there was a guy, just like a regular human guy with a shirt off in like a goat head thing. So, yeah, that is possible. Maybe he saw someone who's getting ready for a dark baptism that night. 
and was just like, hey, I'll check out the mines while I'm here. I hear it's really close to the Devil's Lair and it's super cool to check out. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Okay, so we're there. Definitely a demon in there. Um, and then we're back to Nicholas and he stole one of the dad's yes. journals. The, just not just one. It happens to be and, the one she needs, and I don't think that's a coincidence. No. But <laughs> definitely not. <gasps> oh, but okay. No, nope, nope. I had a theory, mm. a different theory about who Nick, Nick scratches, and it's wrong, and I'm not going there. So, <laughs> okay, but what no, is it? Oh no! Because how do you know? Oh, it's no, wrong? okay, guys, don't don't do it. If this if it's not wrong, please stop. But my thought was that it could be her dad because we don't really like in the comic, he was just sort of gone. We don't necessarily like maybe he's not actually dead and it could be a way to get close to her. And then he knows that's why he would know what that configuration was, would know which one she needed and had it solved. But also, I don't want this guy that's hitting on Sabrina to be her dad. But also in the comic, he took over Harvey's body. So it's not without precedent. Oh, no, I don't like that. <laughs> okay, counter-argument. Yes, please. Um, if it weren't her dad, he would know what was in that that puzzle thing, and I don't think he would want her accidentally lenting that out. I think he might, because I could see that being a test, like him being very convinced she could handle it, in kind of the same way that Zelda realizes she might go insane if she tries to solve the puzzle box, but she's like, she can do it, it's fine. Okay, but I don't like it, so okay, I'm gonna fair. say no. Good, I don't, I don't like it either. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with the theory that occasionally Salem is her okay. dad. <laughs> I like it. Yes. Creepy. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh no. Mm, yeah. There's precedent, and I don't care for it. No. Um, okay. So back to the slightly less disturbing theory that Nicholas is the devil. <laughs> um. So I. Because the last of my notes are just basically talking about Nicholas being the devil. <laughs> um, and that, so when he hands her the diary and everything, they're by that Baphomet statue. And he lines up in the shot with the body of the Baphomet. <gasps> oh, does he? Oh, I gotta watch that again. That's cool. I mean, it's not like 100% like dead on, but he lines up well enough with it. Like he's definitely in the Baphomet position and she's closer to where the kids are. <sighs> in the the positioning and maybe that's just hey this is the center of this but maybe not not. there would be a good image and it's also like one of the promo pictures for this series is sabrina like in front of her birthday cake with the devil right behind her so that the horns look like they're hers so setting up that kind of deliberate shot is a thing that they've done and i can see that working that way it is and i love that shot it's beautiful yeah so i because and it's another one of those things like I didn't notice it the first time around and watch it the second time. I'm like, he is, he is definitely lined up with the devil there. And that's probably deliberate. I yeah, hope that is um, good. I like it. And yeah, I, you know, notes about him just happening to grab the exact journal that had the information on that thing. And you know, her understanding the key to it is definitely not a coincidence. If he's not the devil, he is working with somebody who is pointing him in these directions. So, but pretty sure he's the devil. And um, we get to Blackwood, who is, you know, we find out he's been doing all this stuff. 
on purpose and directing prudence. And that's how we find out that he's like, you know, she has to be here and she has to be alive. She doesn't have to have a good time. She can suffer, which is just a pride thing because she embarrassed him. You know, there's no reason for him to be this focused on her except for the fact that she embarrassed him and he thought he could get away with it and he it might be a grudge thing because of her dad like i i could see him just generally not liking her and not wanting her there but yeah i'm sure it didn't get better when she like embarrassed him and well and there's maybe that but you could all i could also feel like okay this is the, my not even his enemy but like a rival's child and now i get to be i could be the influence and corrupt her from his point of view and make her over in my image and ha 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 revenge that way too like people don't do that enough like that was one, back to harry potter one of my major issues with it early on is that the dursleys didn't just raise harry to hate magic and to be on their side no. like treating no. this kid baby terribly because you have a grudge against where they came from like it doesn't make sense. They could have had a powerful ally instead of someone who has every reason to hate them. And yeah, yeah, it's a it's a trope where it's like you know I keep abuse upon you because I hate your parents or whatever, and it's just you could get away with so much more and be more powerful and more evil that way because it's it's worse because you're manipulating them. Yeah. But whatever, that's fine. That's not my problem. And I, it, it, it's and, uh, a better story device. But to be fair, like the one that immediately comes to mind is a story where they actually did have someone like kidnap a kid and then bring them up as their son is Angel. And that yeah. is my least favorite storyline of anything Joss Whedon's ever written. And there's, I have a lot of problems <laughs> with things Joss Whedon's written. So I'm not sure I want that to happen more often. But it was more powerful and more of a like good, smart move on behalf of the villains. You can because basically you're throwing away a weapon yes. by like you're underutilizing it. And if it's written well, and I can't think of anywhere it's written well. <laughs> like I admit that this is probably a really hard thing to do because inevitably, if you want the good guys to win, that the person has to find out and turn on you and blah blah whatever. Yeah. But, like, if you could write this well, it would be a fascinating storyline. Yes. But, anyway. I'm going to find something <laughs> like that. I just don't yes. know how. And then share. Um, <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, you know what? It's probably in fan fiction somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, good writing happens there. Um so there's more Madam Satan getting all her stuff together to make more poppets. And then She's there's doing more of the mirror. Again. I love when she does crafts. I get so excited when I see Madam Satan and like fabric or glue or anything. She's just, I love it. <laughs> she is very dedicated to yes. her hobby. Like she could, she could half-ass these crafts and still get the, the results. She's like, no, attention to detail is where I will succeed. And I appreciate that about her. Also, I appreciate that she turns on her, like, scrying mirror trick. And it turns out that it's Sabrina mm -hmm. having the most boring conversation with Harvey. It's just like, okay, well, that's enough of that. <laughs> and just yes, it. Like, yep, I agree. I love <laughs> I just, my notes is the same. <laughs> Done with this. 
But um, I also, when she's flipping through that the the journal and everything, I'm impressed with the level of detail and work that goes into making the props for these kind of yes. things. Because that's, you know, all that drawing and the text and wearing it down and everything, it's just amazing work. So, and, uh, you know, Sabrina, Sabrina solves the puzzle, which is a terrible thing. And again, you know, definitely Nick gave her the book yeah. on purpose. Um, because there's no way he could just accidentally find the right book. And uh, she unleashes some sort of a monster out of that thing. And uh, my end note is good going, Satan. <laughs> nice. So. Uh, so I, I'm trying to remember, I guess I'll pay attention as we watch again. I don't know. I don't think she does get put in conjuring classes after this. I don't know that she ever mentions to him, by the way, here's this destroyed box you gave me. So I, I, it's kind of a fruitless thing, except that it sets up the next episode. She let the thing out of the box. But right. That. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, because how do you prove it's like, listen, I know that it's all, you know, in pieces and smashed and everything. But I definitely managed to open it up and didn't just drop it <laughs> off of the Well, I mean, I would hope um, if you could just smash it with a hammer and have it fall open like that, he would know not to use that as a test. And also, like, you wouldn't use it to contain powerful demons. <laughs> so hopefully he should know that she definitely really solved it. But he might pretend he doesn't. But then, I mean, she can solve it again. <laughs> She could, and there are zero demons contained within now. But, and and that's fair. I just, yeah, no, they never mentioned the conjuring thing again. So maybe she decides that she is not ready for that, which is 100% true. Yeah. So. But overall, you know what? I think it's, it's another one of those episodes where it's getting much better. Yes. It was good to begin with. I enjoyed it a lot, but it's, they're ramping up and getting more into a lot of yes. pretty good writing. And I do, I really do. I liked this episode so much and it had so many parallels from the first one. I feel like this yeah. is the pilot I wanted. And now that she's doing the like two worlds thing where she gets to be a normal person with her friends, but also learn all these powers is a, that's where the, like, yeah. you know, the fantasy cool part of it is where you want to be. So this is to me where it really starts to get good. And I kind of wish the first yeah. three episodes had been like a one episode, maybe like slightly longer than normal movie, because like most of my friends who watch the show stopped between somewhere between like episode two and three, and it was it was a lot of right. build up to get to the good part. But we're there, and if you've stuck with us this long, hooray! <laughs> but I also think that it's you know if we get like the slightly longer like piloty episode kind of things. But they comp- they have to compress so much. And yeah, there is a lot. And they're not the, the swiftest moving first couple of episodes. But they do put into place like a lot of the personalities and a lot of the buildup and a lot of stuff that comes back later. And I don't know that they would have been served by giving them less time on that. That's true. It, I'm sure it's probably a really hard, you know sort of line to walk is how much is enough without being too much yeah, enough you and know after this there is like less and less time because sabrina's having to go between the two schools and it's mostly about her magic yeah 
you don't get as much exploration yeah. of her relationship with the friends after this and very little about Susie's whole right. journey and everything and Roz's. So yeah. I think to have these characters continue as strong characters that we care about catching up with later, there had to be a lot of focus on we them have before have the show people. actually starts. It makes, I get it, but yeah. I can also see why people maybe got bored with the first three and like, well, this isn't what I expected to find here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I just I think that it would have been underserved by getting less time because Susie's story is important later on. Roz's story is important later on as to, you know, what's going on with yeah. them. And they could have, you know, there's a lot of aspects of it they probably could have handled better or differently with that, but at least they got it in there and didn't just pop it up out of nowhere, you know, three more episodes in where it becomes suddenly critical that this is happening. So, no, can't can't really yeah. complain. And I like them all. I mean, it's not like I like I still kept watching. I binged the first three episodes and was like more and more and more and more and more. So it's just I mean, it's just yeah. not for everybody too, and that's fine. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely I've definitely quit out of shows within the first couple of episodes because they were just too horrendous to to watch. Uh, Van Helsing comes to mind. Some sort of weird vampire show somebody recommended to me. I'm like, oh, okay, I like <laughs> vampires. No, don't. Mm. It's just bad. It's so bad. But uh, that's been going for several seasons now, so what do I know? <laughs> so. That's the show. That's, yeah, I think that's all I got. Alright. Thanks all for right. joining us, and see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>